has been amazing to be part of. I think we have a responsibility to get people to think differently. You have to have your vision. You can have a great connection between agriculture and people. We're a very important partner to share our experiences. Every new idea is going to contribute to what our future in food is going to look like. It gets bigger. You're enabling people to afford to live a good life. The roofscape is also the part of our cities that is closest to the sun. Culture and agriculture have a strong link. Welcome to Groove, your urban farming podcast series. We are very pleased to make you discover exclusive stories of urban greenhouses. This podcast adventure was made possible thanks to Interact Northwest Project. Today we are meeting with two guests, Daisy Gallagher and Sabrina Decker, and both will tell us about Dublin City Project. Hello, could you present yourself in a few sentences? My name is Sabrina Decker. I'm the Climate Action Coordinator for Dublin City Council. And I'm Daisy Gallagher. I'm the graduate on the Climate Action Team of Dublin City Council. My background is public policy. Um, before joining Dublin City Council, I was a postdoctoral researcher in DCU looking at Irish climate policy and with the Climate Change Advisory Council Secretariat. I am Canadian. I am not Irish. I don't have an accent. <laughs> And my background is, so I did a master's in climate change policy, media and society in Dublin City University. I am part of the local government management agency graduate program, the Climate Action Stream. So I was placed with Sabrina and I'm working on the climate action team. When I was placed with uh, Dublin City Council and Sabrina um, talked to me about what I was interested in, And she asked me to research the possibility of a food strategy for the city. So that's where my interest first laid was in the food systems. And then when this project came on the table and she asked if I'd be interested, it would be from the aspect of food resilience um, and proof of concept for the city. For myself, it was before joining DCC. DCC is Dublin City Council. We were looking at just transitions and I had a co-worker, a fellow postdoc, was looking at the agricultural sector in Ireland. So we did a bit of interviews around the country with a few farmers and it was just kind of more the interest about, you know, my research background is more on how cities respond to climate change. So a city isn't isolated. And I always think of Bill Rees's work in terms of ecological footprinting, like cities are interdependent with their peri-urban and rural areas. With We need the food from farms. So his idea was to explore our food history and our connection to that. And plus North County Dublin has the most agriculturally rich land in Dublin. So it was just that interest area to look at that a little bit more and understand how we as city dwellers need to address climate change through food. We were approached by our colleagues in the Climate Action Regional Office to look at the Northwest Europe Interreg funding, we'd received the call from Groove to actually look for cities that were interested in coaching. So we decided that as Daisy was working on the food strategy, that this would be a good opportunity to explore that potential because we do have rooftops in the city that we have had tried to do green roofs. So basically sedum roofs on them, but they haven't succeeded. So we thought this might be interesting, especially from the greenhouse gas perspective, that we could actually look at that. And initially, 
it was kind of, we were looking at our own civic offices and actually looking at the potential to create an event space using a greenhouse on top of the roof. But given consideration to kind of access in terms of public, we decided that probably wasn't feasible. So we had another project that we were looking at, how do we deep retrofit social housing? Um, And it just so happened that we had three social housing blocks that were being part of another public sector innovation fund project. Um, So we basically said to Oscar, you know, this is another one that we might want to investigate. So we're still very much like we have the model, we can suggest it, um, it might not happen or it might happen, but we hope it does because we think there'd be a good social benefit for that. As a local authority, we are in a place to showcase what can be done, especially considering local authorities REMA over social housing. It, It is such a good concept that covers so many broad topics. So we could talk about food resilience in the city and learning and skills for food or um, a chance to shift social behavior in a positive way. So I think Sabrina covered it really well. It's a multitude of things covered in one topic, which is very interesting. So today you have a human farming project. What is it all about? So for the area that we're looking at, it's northeast inner city Dublin. So it's actually kind of not far from the main street of Dublin or Ireland in general, which is O'Connell Street. And we've actually had research done by University College Dublin, the School of Geography, where they looked at green cover in the city and the northeast inner city. And I cannot remember the number exactly off the top of my head, but basically there are zero trees. There are There's not a lot of green space in the area. We actually recently have a new park in that area, Wolftone Square, which was kind of, it's actually an interesting site because there is a bit of a graveyard there, but there was nothing planted in the area. Then during COVID, there was an opportunity to regenerate and there's a little cafe and everything. And there's a lot, it's actually quite a lovely space to sit down and relax in actually. Um, So there's not a lot of green cover and there is Mountjoy Park. There's also the Gardens of Remembrance that are within an area, but it's still quite a distance. So for us, doing a greenhouse on a roof that just provides even a green space. So if it there's, it's three blocks that we're looking at, so potentially it could be on one block and then the next block could be something else. It could be solar PV or it could just be a community space. But there's also a car park behind the building that won't be in use or we'll try to discourage the use because our development plan, we're trying to discourage the use of cars in the inner city. So there could be an opportunity to green that space as well. So you could potentially grow seedlings on the top and then bring them down and have the community garden there. And so you're actually planting in the soil. But for the benefit for that area is the area is um, many years ago, there was the Northeast Inner City report done by a gentleman named Karen Mulvey, who is also Ireland's Just Transition Commissioner. Um, And it is an area of deprivation. So by providing something that's I, I think active and social, you're actually building a community and giving them opportunities that are Better than the alternatives is how I'm going to word this politely. Um, there isn't a lot to do. So if you're a child growing up in the inner city, there isn't much for you to do that's fun. So hopefully this is a little bit more interactive. It's more engaging. You know, there could be a play space that's in, included in that. Like we really do want the, the residents ideally, like we're not going to go ahead and just here's your greenhouse. It's got to be, what do you want to grow in it? So we don't know what they'll want to grow, but that's going to be part of the process, hopefully. In this instance, it actually probably is two departments that we need to work closely with. So there's Department of Housing and Local Government and Heritage that provide funding for housing. And then we have the Department of Environment, Climate and Communications that's setting our retrofit targets. But 
there's a lot of approvals that we'll need to actually kind of go to a design phase for the three buildings. And that can take over a year. And then long-term, probably like five to 10 years before it's actually completed or there's still a process of engaging the residents. The unique thing about this building, they will be completely vacant. So we have an opportunity to kind of take those buildings and plan something new with it. But even still, it's that whole procurement process of getting the design team on board and then actually the construction. And one of the challenges we're facing in Ireland at the moment is the availability of skills, people who are skilled in doing construction and retrofit. We can take cycling as an example in the city right now. It took 18 years to get our first kind of segregated protected cycle lane in. And sometimes these things take time. And I think where I'm from in Vancouver, there was always discussion about a certain bridge where they've been trying to make it cycle friendly, but it's taken three iterations to agree to put a cycle lane on a bridge. So I think we recognize that these processes take time and sometimes there's a change in government and it's decided that that's not wanted anymore or you know, there's something else that becomes more pressing and more concerning. Um, but I think in terms of food security, the current climate, like, I don't think it'll always be far from the agenda, but we may change the direction that we go in in terms of food growing. It might not be a rooftop. We might just say, like, let's just dig a hole in the ground and we'll put the allotment there. We need to grow there. Or, right, it could be that something else is more pressing and I don't know what that is. So there's always a risk, but the idea is there. And when the time comes again, it might get picked up again and it might happen or again it might go through another cycle of oh no we can't do it here's something else but i think eventually as long as the idea is there something will happen and what was the main difficulty that you had to overcome the thing is when we're looking at the food strategy the key bit was we wanted it to be a public benefit um, and one of the challenges with putting it on top of the civics is access to the roof and because right now we currently have an event space that is easily accessible by public, particularly any dog that lives within like 100 meters of the civic offices has access to it. And the manager there provides free dog treats to all the dogs that come by. So it's a very friendly space. If we put it on a roof, it becomes harder to access and you don't have that same kind of connection with the community because you go in to the building, which has its benefits too. Like you come into the building, you see what's going on in the building, but it wouldn't always be as accessible. It's not like right now, the Woodkey venue still, like you can spill out into this amphitheater that we have and it's still very connected. It's kind of used as a thoroughfare. So this would be away from people. It wouldn't be as publicly accessible. We recognize that putting it on social housing is still is not as accessible, but if it's given to a community and it is within the community, they have a chance to make it more accessible and make it what they want to make it. So that's kind of the key difference is we wanted it to have that public face if we put it on the Civic, there wouldn't be as much public engagement with it. And it has to be like, okay, you have to sign up to do this and you have to come in. It has to be within our hours. So it's just, that was kind of, I think our city architect was very clear in kind of pointing that out to us, that there wouldn't be that public good. So we ended up looking at different buildings. There was a couple other buildings and then we kind of agreed, well, we have this one project that we're doing anyways. There is a fit to it because it is looking at retrofit and energy. So that made the most sense. The elevator. Um, with this, like what's interesting is like we know from the study that we were looking at, which was the digital twin that modeled out retrofit options, that deep retrofit is the best option for any of the housing that we do and that we have to go that route. With that is it does trigger more stringent, it triggers part L, the building codes, we actually have to improve the access to the building, which actually 
in this instance, probably as a benefit. So currently people move in to get up the floors in the building through stairs. Um, so, but now because of this, we'll have to do elevators. So it's about just adding where the elevator stops is probably going to be the question if we go ahead with this. That's kind of the main barrier on that one. I don't know too many details are probably better to speak to an architect or a building engineer, but it, it is just those are going to be the challenges. But then of course, I think for us, there will also be the health and safety aspects. Like it's still good to be put railings up on the building to make sure that it's safe. Um, I think one of the other questions we have is like, is it access through one building or is it at that top level? Can people have access through all three rooftops? So those are questions that'll have to go to the design team when they design it out. And if the design team agrees that we put this on that building too, or we select it. At Goof, we help you develop your project and overcome hardship and smaller issue. Or did Goof help you in your process? Maybe kept us on track. <laughs> they were very patient with us and kind of navigating those challenges of, you know, is it our building or is it another building? And being very understanding about our kind of barriers and like whether or not this is something possible. They understood that for us, this is about exploring if this is possible like we're still in that exploration stage of is this possible it might not happen it could happen in 20 years when we're nearing retirement and need a rooftop to hang out on um it's just been good to have that and that expertise like to even point to things i think one of the conversations we have with oscar at the beginning was his highlighting his experience working with disadvantaged communities and how we could integrate that in um and i think Daisy can speak more to this, but I know a big question for us was always around the finance. Um, so she always had that opportunity when she went to London to talk to them about the business model. Yes, I think in the two masterclasses that we attended, like the breadth of knowledge in the room was astounding um, across all aspects of the project that you would need. And when they discussed the business model, um, obviously as a public body, and as Serena said, like the finance is obviously going to be an area of concern. But like just the examples that were given and it was always supported with like a case study. Like I know for us, they said that the probably the most closest example would be Nantes in France. And that was also social housing and they put a greenhouse on top and they did, it was commercialized. So that was an interesting example. Um, and it was also interesting to see the others on the Groove project and how they went about it because we were all different. Um, every project that I had personally interacted with, we were coming from different aspects. We were coming from a local authority. There was private businesses or there was private investors that were doing large scale projects far beyond what we would be doing. One thing that would stick out with me from just um, having to spoken with the group team is that it should fit the context and the area. Don't just put a greenhouse on a roof because it sounds like it's a good idea. You need to fit the project to what the building is suitable for and also what the area, the community, who is it going to serve and how is it going to serve them. It's like Sabrina said, like we don't have tenants in the building yet and how they might want to have the greenhouse. It is dependent on who's going to use it, how they're going to use it, and that's how it should be shaped. Um, so that's one thing I'll keep in mind. It's the context of the situation is extremely important. I'm staring at a roof full of air conditioning units right now. Um, and I would say, I think we're part of another EU project um, that is going to be looking at food sharing initiatives. And I think 
greenhouses are going to be part of that, whether they're on rooftops or like growing in general, whether it is going to be allotments, like that is going to be part of a climate resilient future. So it has to happen. It will happen. Like whether it suits every rooftop, that's the different question. It's like, it's how we use space in the city is I think the question more so, are we using it wisely? Because I don't think building out on greenfield sites is an option. Like we need to be building on the footprint we have already. Yeah, I would completely agree with what Sabrina said. And I think as a city, like space is like, it's not always readily available. And to think that we have like the buildings, obviously not every building will be suitable for a greenhouse. But um, something Oscar said in some of his presentations and discussions with us is that the traditional sense that a building is a shield and his view is that we should turn them into baskets and we should use buildings for whatever, like whatever it may be, but in this case, greenhouses. And considering, yes, space is, is really difficult to come by in a city and especially a city that lacks green spaces, like Sabrina said, there are areas of our cities that do not have equal access to green spaces. And to think there is a possibility in the future where they're far and near that we could use that space for greening in the city. So today, social media are very important. Where can we follow your project? We do not have a project website or anything, but I think the best thing to follow to see if Dublin City Council continues with this would be our social media channel. So it'd be at Dub City Council on Twitter. I think the same on Instagram as well. I used to work in homeless outreach and it's housing is not just providing somebody with a roof over their head. Housing is a lot more than that. And I think that's part of this as well is a house. Housing is community. Housing is making sure people have access to opportunities. You know, one of the things that I really liked about Oscar with one of his projects was suggesting the opportunity for social enterprise with this by, you know, it's we as a local authority are responsible for social housing units. And there's certain criteria that people meet to enter into social housing. So for us, it's like if you can provide something that allows people to have you know, for Eat the Streets, one of the gentlemen that we had on board was Michael Abelman, who does Soul Food Street Farms in the city of Vancouver. And he, like, city of Vancouver has a huge problem with the downtown east side, and there's a lot of drug addiction and a lot of history with Canada's First Nations populations that led to that and longshoremen and unemployment. And, you know, people working at the farm felt that they were doing something, and it wasn't just about housing, and they're linked into that. So you're giving somebody a space to do something that gives them meaning, that gives them a community, that gives them value, that gives them a sense of identity, that, you know, this is their space, this is what they're doing. And, you know, part of the other thing with Eat the Streets for us was, you know, one of our chefs wanted us to look more at like, you know, the full food entrepreneurship piece, like, you know, just not about the growing, but like you're producing a product out of that. Like, how do you then, what goes into the design, the selling of that product? So, you know, if this community, all of a sudden you have the Dublin One rooftop vegetable market is that what becomes out of this? And these communities are selling like the food to local restaurants. Like that's, that gives back to them. So, you know, eventually maybe they're eventually leaving social housing and buying their own house somewhere else. And they're getting that it's building community wealth so that, you know, somebody else can take over that unit so that there's, that it gets bigger, that you're enabling people to afford to live a good life. I think that's the other thing. So it's you can balance that because it isn't just a room and a house, it's a home effectively is what you're trying to provide. We 
We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Maybe it even inspired you to join the urban farming adventure. You can learn everything you need to know about Groove and our guideline on groove.eu. And make sure to stay tuned for more Groove stories of rooftop greenhouses. See you very soon in another episode.